He hits one to deep left field. That is gone. David Wright brings himself back into the lineup. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Shea Station podcast brought to you by John Boy Media. If you're watching on YouTube, you recognize the background behind me. I am not in the studio. Neither is Jerry. We went from two people in there to zero. I don't know how this happened. Jerry, how you doing? I'm good. Thank you for accommodating me again on this early morning, which is why you are in your home. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I flew in late last night. They had some things to do this morning. So you obliged me. So we're we're here early, 8 a.m., doing our thing. Yeah, for anyone who says we don't grind, you're out of your <laughs> mind, all right? That's it good. feels like 5 a.m. right now. Not actually, I'm just being dramatic. Uh, I don't know. Like, I was a big work from home guy. And then the studio started working and it felt real. And we had the multiple cameras and the sound effects going. I kind of miss it right now. A little bit. Oh, being in studio. Uh, I was telling uh, Jimmy, uh, John Boy, mm. uh, how much better it is to record in person in that setting because there's so many creative people around it's very conducive to making good content so but we do this we're pros we can do it anywhere we need to whether it's convenient or not we're here put me in Talking arizona the mets. put me in new york put me in new jersey i'm good to talk about the mets anywhere don't worry about go. it so it's the first time this year that we cannot say that our mets won their series but we still haven't lost a series we split a four-game set with those Atlanta Braves who are certainly pesky and looking just as good as they were last year. A lot of good takeaways, a lot of bad takeaways. It's an interesting set uh, to analyze here, uh, but the Mets lose the bookends. They win the meat in the middle with that doubleheader. By the way, we're 4-0 and in doubleheaders this year, which is pretty That's cool. That's wild. It's kind of just uh, a thing. Gary Apple yesterday talked about a doubleheader a couple of days ago. The Mets have 16 doubleheaders. And the next closest one is eight since the start of last year, I believe, since the start of the 2021 season, double the amount, 16 to eight. That is crazy. Jeez. It feels like it, too, because I was like, man, we've had so many double headers and to see it that drastic of a number is pretty wild. Yeah, I am like I'm not worried about fatigue so much. I think that that hit the extremity in like 2020 where they had to play like five games in three days or whatever. But, you know, we had the four games in three days here. They're going straight to Philadelphia right after starting tonight for their four game set there. Um, but these Mets look OK. Like I think they were still doing most of the things they do well in the series. Just not a lot of execution, a lot of missed opportunities. Uh, game one was a five to two loss. We grabbed that early two nothing lead. Marte scored on a wild pitch, which is kind of what he does hit a double, advanced, then stole home. Mark Canna finally hit his first Mets home run. That's a monkey off his back, so good for Mark. Finally got some pop in that bat. Chris Bassett had another great start here. Seven innings, three earned runs, six hits, one walk, and eight strikeouts. Uh, Chris Bassett and Chad Fairchild had a pretty interesting interaction during this game. Fairchild missed a strike three call. Bassett ended up escaping the jam that was caused because of it. And then I think for the first time ever, I saw an ump kind of pat his chest and go my bad I missed that call which is honestly kind of cool like I feel like umpires have a certain amount of pride that they take with them into a game and like I feel like that veil doesn't come off very often had you ever seen anything like that or yeah they actually do it more than you think okay um especially if you go back like in between innings you go back and look and you're like "Ah, that was on the corner you know Dale and he'll be like I missed it it happens he's like I thought that was out um but when they have one as blatant as the Bassett one you know, there's only two two courses of action, really. You either say I, you know, I'm, I had that a ball because I'm, you know, or you'd be like, I missed it. My bad. Yeah. And uh, Bassett was cool, too, because he apologized for kind of showing him up. He had a little bit of a, uh, a rough time getting back into his mode because he would while he was walking off. He got out of a jam. Um, you saw a guy work through getting his focus back in, and that was kind of cool to see. And it came out uh, with a Mets victory. He pitched really well out of it. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of a, a peek behind the curtain a little bit. Yeah, I liked what you said because, like, I feel like that situation could have very easily been escalated by either one of those two guys running hot. But luckily, you know, the human interaction prevailed. I also, like, uh, they put it on the broadcast that Bassett really took a second, walked all the way to, like, second base before throwing his next pitch to collect himself. And I think it ended up paying off. So that's a good, like, mental fortitude thing there for Bassett. Yeah, he walked away, and McCann saw it. So he went out and, and made sure they were on the same page, wanted to, to talk to him, so let's settle him down. It was really cool. 
McCain's been really impressive. So uh, good. Behind the so good year. behind the dish. Minus, you know, the there's some blocked balls that could have get there, but that's league-wide. The the knee down, there's been a lot of chatter with it. Mm. I actually don't really like when they stay with the knee down mm. when there's a runner on third. A hot take? No, it's not hot. I think it's, you know, catching is so hard, yeah. and I love those guys, and I appreciate them. But with a runner on third base, you need to be able to slide over. The Mets scored on Darno not being able to get over. He had a great series. He mm. crushed us in game one. Uh, the Met killer, former Met, Travis Darno crushing the Mets. Yeah, I think he bat, he bats over 400 against the Mets now. The Braves took yeah, a 3-2 lead in the sixth. Darno went three for four with a double and three RBI. And uh, this came at the expense of Trevor May who finally hit the injured list with a stress reaction. I think ever since that Philly outing where we saw him pull or pop or hurt something, he just hasn't quite been right. And I know Buck still believed in him and was using him in the situations that we traditionally see May in. But I think for a while we could kind of tell that this is not a healthy version of Trevor May. I want to get into it a little bit later. Let's get our games, you know, the series recap out of the way, and then we can dive into it because he gave a really at length press conference, bow two of them. So yeah. Um, but we got a peek. We got a peek at the Braves, and they their bullpen is very good, and they yeah. showed it in this game. As They're advertised. Deep, very na- nasty. They're actually still missing Luke Jackson, who went down with Tommy John. Yeah. And they're still filthy. So, I mean, this was a, a close game up until that eighth inning where Trevor May blew up and the Braves bullpen just held us at bay. Three shutout innings to seal the win. Colin McHugh looked really good. Uh, they got Kenley Jansen going back there now, A.J. Minter. They have tons of weapons in that bullpen. Tyler Matzik as well. Uh, and I think they'll only get stronger because they'll probably add arms at the deadline because that's what most winning teams do. So that's going to be a problem all year for the Mets. So they lost game one, five to two. Uh, that moves us to game one of the doubleheader. Um, so game two of the series and the Mets did what they did in the first game is jump up ahead in the first inning. They put two off of a shaky Charlie Morton. He doesn't look quite locked in. He talked about it, um, but they put up two. You get a Starling Marte caught stealing for the fourth time. I think it was only five times all last year. Yeah, I think it was five. I'm going to get that number all of 2021. Um, but again, I don't want him to stop running. He doesn't look solid right now anyway in a sense but he doesn't look himself um he looks fine but he's not like doing the things that we are used to seeing him do offensively yeah 2021 Um, was 47 swipes five cut stealing this year four swipes four cut stealing so very different story yeah so then we got uh overall david peterson had a great start um he gave up his first run uh, on a sack fly to Travis Jankowski in center, that was a short one, and he should have—I thought—should have thrown it out or at least been close. It yeah. bounced off the mound and wasn't even close. I thought he was going to get thrown out. I was actually surprised that they sent him. Um, and then in the sixth inning or the fifth inning, he gives up. Um, what 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 did he give up? Uh, he oh, had, he had that double, double play, play ball. ball. Yep, he had a double play ball runner on first with with one out and he had a perfect double play ball come to him. He turned sideways, did the right thing, set himself up and then just kind of whiffed at the ball. Um, he also had a foul ball earlier. It was fair. It was a foul and they called it fair. That led to that same run. Um, and then he had that double play ball and then got introduced to, uh, Mr. Matt Olson introduced himself to Mets fans because it was a five, one ball game. And then just like that, it was five to four. He hit a decent pitch first pitch and he deposited it. And that was a, you know, a big series, a big swing for him. Luckily, uh, Adam Adovino looked great. Mm. Came in, shut the door, punched out the side. Uh, Drew Smith came in and threw two scoreless innings beautifully dominate. Uh, and then Edwin Diaz came and threw a, a, a shutout ninth. The bullpen went four innings, had gave up that one hit, one walk, six punch outs. Uh, Drew Smith runs his season uh, season total of scoreless innings to 11 and a third. One way to open up the season. Uh, and that is game two. Mets win five to four. Yeah, I, I like that uh, we touched on Bassett kind of taking a second to compose himself, walk to second base, McCann came out. Because I feel like that's something that Peterson could have benefited from after the foul ball ruled fair. And then that led to the sack fly where the throw hit the mound. And then uh, 
Olsen came up after the drop double play ball. And it felt like a couple or a few just bad turns for Peterson. And I think he just tried to attack head on and just keep pushing through. And I think that's a moment where you need to take a second, uh, take a second and compose yourself. Especially the Olsen one. He did a good job after the, after the he. I don't think he knew the ball was fair or yeah. foul. Yeah. Cause that was a tough one. You, you can't see that. Um, it's not reviewable either because it's in front of the umpires. He's literally looking at it. So they, they aren't uh, able to replay it. Um, but definitely the Matt Olson home run, it was, it wasn't a badly thrown pitch. It was a bad pitch selection and a, a location. He threw it down and into him. You got to go up and in if you're coming inside, especially first pitch. Um, he talked about it in the post game. He goes, yeah, it wasn't a, a great first pitch to Matt Olson. And I was like, that's very observant, which means that he's paying attention, that he knows how to get better. Uh, I really liked the way he looked in today's game or in that game. Unfortunately, you know, the Mets said, we'll see in Syracuse, just the, the way of the world. Um, yeah. But he's been super impressive to start this year. Yeah, it's a tough turn for PD, but he's going to get more opportunities. We talked about the doubleheaders uh, before. And the Mets bullpen has really turned a nice corner here. Uh, Adovino looked great in the series. He made Adam Duvall look absolutely silly on a slider about three feet out of the zone. Drew Smith has been an absolute revelation for this team when he's been healthy, which has been awesome. And Edwin Diaz still doing his thing. So we won uh, the first game of the doubleheader, walked into game two. And uh, it was a big night for Cookie Carrasco. Big night because uh, the St. Louis start did not go his way. He had some good starts before that. So it was kind of like, okay, which version are we going to get tonight? Luckily, we got him an early lead because Dom Smith got a start. And Dom Smith was in the middle of the lineup. And he produced two out, two run double to give the Mets a 2 nothing lead. Pete Alonzo went oppo for a home run later in the game off Kyle Wright, who looked pretty good. Kind of looks like he's going to be a problem for Atlanta this year. But uh, Cookie Carrasco is just better. In a bounce-back start, eight shutout innings, six hits, two walks, five strikeouts on 96 pitches. The big thing for Cookie was that he was the escape artist this game. He allowed a leadoff runner in four of his eight innings in this game, a few doubles to Ronald Acuna and Matt Olson, but he held the Braves to 0 for 11 with runners in scoring position. He stranded seven runners in the game, and then the bullpen picked him up again in the ninth. Seth Lugo picked up the save in place of Edwin Diaz. Just an all-around great showing for the Mets. Uh, They weren't hitting a ton, but they got enough to get the job done. In the doubleheader, they took both games because that's what the Mets do in doubleheaders. And a, a nice bounce back uh, after that, a uh, kind of disheartening game one. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, you know, they swept a doubleheader. It's hard to do. It really is very difficult, uh, especially against a really good team in a division. Um, Cookie Carrasco, man, what a performance. Uh, and he did it in a in an awesome fashion because he pitched really efficiently, knowing the reason that, that Buck, asked him to pitch the second game. It was because he knew going in that, you know, he's probably going to need his bullpen and with Peterson going just in mm. case. And he knows that, that cookie is a little more reliable and knows how to adjust his approach to kind of give the bullpen a break, which is classic buck. Um, incredible. His, he was very efficient. And then when he needed a strikeout with like a runner on third with less than two outs, he went for it and got yeah. it. He really looked good. He had the changeup working. He had the slider working. It was uh, it was a very good performance. Um, Seth Lugo looked really good. Uh, we you you mentioned Kyle Wright. Kyle Wright is a guy that Mets fans should get to know. Yeah, he's going to be around for a while. He was the fifth overall pick in 2017 out of Vanderbilt. He was supposed to be the guy for a while. He made his debut that next year in 2018. He couldn't quite figure it out. Didn't know how to pitch in the big leagues. He's figured it out this year. He looks like um, a prime version of Charlie Morton. He's got that power curveball, that nasty sinker. Uh, he mixes in a curveball. He mixes in a changeup. Um, he wasn't as sharp as he's been this season uh, in in game two, but he was really good. And Pete Alonso took him to right field deep, which is a promising sight. Um, but that's a name to get to know as well. Yeah, I feel like, you know, the Braves just produce young arms all the time. I also kind of felt like I like that you made the Charlie Morton comparison. I felt like because the Mets saw him earlier in the day, I felt like they were able to see Kyle Wright a little bit better because they have, you know, similar weaponry. They're obviously at different velocities, but 
Pete Alonso going oppo was a really good sign. He has five home runs this year, which is a good total, but it kind of feels low for Pete, which seems a little unfair, but it is unfair, but it also is true. Uh, Just in general, the Mets offense hasn't been stellar. They've been not stellar. That's, that's, that's not fair. They haven't been explosive. They've been getting the job done. done. They getting the job done. They're, they're doing it. The playing small ball, hitting behind the runners, um, sack fly, you know, getting them in the old school way. I would love to see some more home runs, but I'm not going to complain about a, a, an offense that's been efficient and doing really well and they're winning. So I don't want to do get too silly. And this offense we played is kind of like the polar opposite of us. Like not a lot of high batting averages, not a lot of like rallies, but these guys hit a ton of solo home runs like the Braves. That's just kind of their formula right now. seems to be working for them, but I personally enjoy what the Mets are doing a little bit more. Oh yeah. And I feel like the home runs will come. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's sustainable. You're you're dependable. Um, I want to give the Mets fans a shout out because when Dom Smith came up after they released Robinson Cano made it official, his first start, his first at bat, they gave him a standing O. Like it wasn't overwhelming, but you could tell these Mets fans pay attention. They understand circumstance. They wanted to make sure that Dom Smith was, you know, he was chosen. He was welcome. He was wanted. Uh, and they made him uh, feel welcome. And he came through with a patented Dom Smith double down the line the other way mm-hmm. to score the first two runs of the game. So it was lovely. Yeah, I feel like it, it's been a tumultuous ride for Dom Smith over these past few years, but now it feels like he's going to be given his opportunity to succeed finally, even though it's not an everyday spot, it's more consistent playing time. And I hope he makes the most of it because I don't know what the future holds for Dom, but I th- I'm glad the Mets are putting the eggs in the Dom Smith basket. Yeah, I think it was the right move. Um, so we are two and one moving into game four, the final deciding game. Uh, and the Mets lose, and it was not pretty. It was not close ever, really. No. It was, but Tyler McGill pitched really, really well. He looked classic Tyler McGill. Um, as vintage a thing you can say about a young, young guy. But he looked For Tyler, I think it's appropriate. He looked, he looked exactly like you expected him to look. Um, he threw a season-high 94 pitches, uh, season-high nine strikeouts, um he went five and a third he gave up three earned runs but those three earned runs he didn't give up he actually threw four hitless Mm. to run his total consecutive to nine scoreless or nine hitless innings to start um and then he gave up a a knock and then in that sixth inning um he had one out and austin riley rolled over on a changeup, uh had him fooled all day uh, an absolutely amazing player rolled over, had an infield single. And then that, the wheels kind of fell off a little bit for the Mets in general. He went, you know, single, single, single. So the bases are loaded one out. Uh, Adovino comes in for the third day in a row was sharp, punched out the side, punched out two. Nobody got even close. He was super sharp, came in on that third day in a row uh, and was not sharp. Just didn't yeah. have it. Walked a guy. Gave up a double and then a single, and then Trevor Williams comes in, uh, gives up uh, another couple of runs, and before you know it, it was a 0-0 game, and now it's a 7-0 game. Yeah. Like that. Um, he, he looked great. Mets lose. They ended up crawling back. Luis Guillorme hits his third home run of his career. Uh, a good one. Uh, that was awesome, but it was just, you know, a, a garbage time kind of home run. Yeah. And the Mets lost. That's not the way to go. They they split a series for the first time. Didn't win it. Um, they went two and two uh, with the with the Braves on the end of their homestand. So I think the uh, the Guillaume home run is important because if I am recalling correctly, the Mets have still not been shut out this season, and I think Guillaume saved them from that, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, the big thing was Otto coming in the third day in a row. We haven't seen that from a bullpen pitcher this year. Um, they had Joely rested. They had Chase and Shreve rested. I didn't know if I loved the decision, especially because we talked about on a previous episode, Shreve's righty lefty splits are pretty even. He's been good against both. And I feel like that was a pretty good spot for him. But uh, Buck went to Otto. Otto did look really good this series, but that kind of unfortunately gets washed away because game four just got away from him a little bit. 
Um, the Mets had two really close fly balls, almost go for home runs from Jeff McNeil and Francisco Lindor. So like that could have changed the pace of the game a little bit. Uh, and Tyler McGill season high, nine strikeouts. That's pretty good. So like he still looked great, just kind of got boned on the, uh, the inherited runners there, but still a solid start for him. His ERA is now at 2.43. So still a lot to be proud of. And, you know, he's got to buck up. He won't see the Phillies this series, which is unfortunate, uh, but you know, just got to keep looking ahead. You take the series split against a good team. You're going to be playing the Braves all year long. You'll get other chances to capitalize. I am not going to count these home runs that were almost. I don't want to talk about them. First of all, uh, Jeff Jeff McNeil's home run that was robbed was not a home run. You don't think so? It was so? a great catch. It was. I not thought a home it, I thought run. it looked like a home run. It was not going to go over. Right, uh, and then Lindor came up just short as well. But that's you know fly ball. You're you're out. I almost struck him out, but his barrel hit it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, just, it's a game of inches. Uh, and I don't want to question Buck here. It's easy to do it in retrospect. Of course. For putting Adovino out, the first Met to go back to back to back. Um, there's a communication level, and Adovino's a veteran. He did it three times successfully last year with the Red Sox, coming in three days in a row. Um, there's a there's a chain of, of command where he talks to the bullpen coach and then talks to the pitching coach and then talks to the manager directly. Said he was fine. Even in his post-game interview, he was like, look, I wasn't I wasn't tired. They asked me. I said I was good, and I was good. He goes, that wasn't the problem. Hmm. Um, and I don't mind the call. I would have loved, you know, it, it, again, in retrospect, Chase and Shreve hadn't pitched much uh, to see him come in. But you needed a strikeout there with a, a runner on third and nobody out, and he had punched out five and two innings, dominated, dominating fashion. He looked, he looked untouchable. Hmm. Um, he was able to put the ball exactly where he needed to, and he walked the first guy pretty pretty badly. Um, Darno had a couple of good takes on really close calls, and then he yanked that fastball. Um, Darno, I'll blame it on Darno. Always blame Darno. He just kills us now. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it ended up being a nine to one loss again. No no shutout for the Mets offense, which is good. But um, you're gonna have a stinker every once in a while, of course. I'd rather get it all out in one game and like I'm with you. The doubleheader giveth and the doubleheader taketh away. I feel like if we have that extra day where Otto kind of gets a day off, he's probably sharp in that outing. And I don't blame Buck for going there because, like you said, you know, Otto kind of looked like he was owning the Braves and in a bases loaded one out jam. That's the kind of guy you want there. Uh, Otto's a vet. So, I mean, normally I, he's done this kind of thing in the past, but uh, just didn't work out this time. Let's split the series. Not all bad things, not all good things, a uh, lot to take away. But now we go into a series with Philly where we've beaten this team 42 yeah. on the year. Um, on that on that ahead. bullpen usage on Buck Walter and how he's been deploying the the bullpen with multiple innings, there's been some some questions. He's doing it uniquely and um, how he's deploying the guys. Uh, and the one thing I wanted to say is, like, the players can make you look like genius because no matter who you put in that situation, if they do it right, you're, you made the right call. Uh, they can also make you look silly. And if they don't succeed, even if you put them in a position to succeed, uh, they make you look like an idiot. And yeah. so uh, a lot of it's on player performance. So, um, you know, I just wanted to, to, to chime that in. No, and I, uh, I definitely agree. And I feel like it's something that I, I wasn't warm to in the beginning of the season, especially because we saw it not work a lot early on. But now I feel like these guys are kind of getting used to it. Like we've seen Drew Smith come back out for fourth and fifth outs a lot this year. Uh, he went two innings in this series and that, uh, that second game, and he's been absolutely clutch. And I feel like we've never seen Drew Smith used in that capacity. I feel like the uh, teams have always been kind of protective of Drew and Buck is really just placing a lot of trust in him. And, you know, these other guys that he's having come out for uh, that extra out because the three batter rule just changes everything. It changes your entire strategy you can't be as uh, selective as you want with where you use your pitchers. You kind of need to just stretch them for outs and hope that you can get the best scenario for the next guy. Yeah. I don't think uh, Adovino faces that third hitter if they don't have that rule. Yeah. Because it was pretty clear that he didn't have it after that second hitter or like halfway through that second hitter. Um, but shout out to Trevor Williams who mopped it up and said, preserve that bullpen. Uh, he really did a good job. And Drew Smith, you mentioned, um, they've been protective of him. He's he's thriving in that in that kind of role because he he talked about it in a, his post game interview that he has four pitches and sometimes when he's in a, an abbreviated appearance he doesn't feel like he can work all of those pitches in a two inning or a one plus he feels like he can get 
uh, deploy all of those pitches. So his his full arsenal. Um, it's nice to see, man. I wouldn't have liked it personally. I don't think I could have earlier in my career. I could have done that, but towards the end of my career, I'm like, let, I did my job. Yeah, getting down and uh, sitting down in that dugout and getting back up into the game is not as easy as it as it seems. There's a million ways to to try to figure it out, but uh, uh, I wouldn't have loved to do it. I would have done it had you asked me and told me that's what you needed to do. But uh, the guys seem to be uh, all on board with it, so that's good to see. Yeah, I mean, Drew Smith is just really thriving in that role now. Uh, there's only one other pitcher in baseball, Dylan Peters of the Pirates, that has pitched more innings this season without allowing an earned run. Drew Smith is second right there with 11 and a third. So it's really nice to see. We've been Drew Smith believers for a while, and it feels like it's all coming to a head now, which is really oh, nice. It's nice. And, uh, you know, with Trevor May going down, and he's going to miss a month with a stress reaction. Yeah. Um, he'll, he'll slide into that, you know, eighth inning. It's going to be him and Lugo um being the that setup guy uh yeah. along with you know probably chasen shreve's gonna step up into the drew smith role um so it should be interesting to see uh but on trevor may do you want to get into it a little bit before we do uh, I got to tell you guys about one of our uh, sponsors for today's episode uh tops baby if you got your drew smith rookie card you know check out the prices on that because it's probably going up uh, but I'm here to tell you guys about the Tops Series 1 Baseball NFT Collection, which is dropping today at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, available now on TopsNFTs.com, NFTs there. Buy standard and premium packs of officially licensed NFT digital collectibles featuring your favorite players and teams from one of Tops' most popular sets. A standard pack comes with a guarantee of one rare NFT collectible in each pack, and a premium pack comes with a guarantee of one super rare NFT collectible in each pack. This highly anticipated release includes brand new products such as Stars of MLB Chrome, Generation Now, Ultra Short Print, Team Cube 2.0, and a special 1987 35th anniversary motion set. So head to, head to topsnfts.com right now as this release is slated to sell out fast. That's today at 1 p.m. Eastern on topsnfts.com. Shout out them for sponsoring today's episode of Shea Station. Let's talk some Trevor May though. Dive in. Yeah, so Trevor May, um, he's been struggling all year. He's been the kind of sore spot in that bullpen, consistently inconsistent. Um, he got hurt earlier in the year and kind of like showed some very pain, like a big, big, um, a very like worrying career. grimace. Yeah, okay. big grimace, big, uh, ouch, kind of, you know, one of those moments like Reed Foley had where you're like, uh oh. Uh, something's something's really wrong there. Yeah. Um, they just thought it was triceps uh, tendonitis and he had a couple of days off and came back and he just hasn't looked sharp. He hasn't had that command, hasn't had the the sharpness of his breaking ball. He was throwing that little split change up and we were like, all right, he's added another weapon. Um, and then he just, he blew up in, in that, in that um, game one. And they approached him after the game for his post-game interview. He's got ice on and he's like standing at his locker. I don't know if you saw it. I did. Uh, and the reporter asked him like, you know, what do you think's going on with your recent struggles? And uh, he hesitated and kind of, you can see him, his wheels turning. And then he just spilled his guts. And I appreciated it so much um, as a fan of this game, as somebody that covers the Mets, hearing how him like hearing him talk about it. I've been there, you know, uh, every reliever, every pitcher goes through a, a situation similar to what he's going through and to be able to articulate it the way he did. Um, he didn't feel right. Uh, and he thought just like all of us at some point of, you know, former players or players, you're standing out there on that mound. You don't feel great. What do you want to do? You want to push through for your teammates, for the fans, um, it's hard to feel really good. You never really feel 100% as a reliever when you go into the game. And then for him, he's like, all right, I can I can battle through this before. I'm going to battle through it. I'm going to fake it. I'm going to use my confidence and my experience and just stuff it, and then I'll feel better tomorrow. Hmm. Um, but he got to a point, like a couple of pitches into that outing, where his arm hurt so bad that he had no conviction. You could see it. I saw it. He lost the confidence in his ability to get people out um, after the game. When he was talking, he was like, you know, I'm not, I don't feel good. I don't feel like a hundred percent. It feels, 
he didn't say it, but he said he, he showed the same exasperation. It's the same thing that he had before. And he talked about how we'll get a, an image of it. We'll take in and get an MRI. If it's nothing, I will be able to push through and I know that I'm not hurting myself. If it's right. something, at least we'll have something to try to attack so I can feel better. He was just lost and very vulnerable in that situation. I really appreciated it because again, we've all been there. Um, and he just showed his vulnerability and, and uh, you know, it was hard to watch because it was such a, a hard on your sleeve kind of moment. And he, he was heartbroken and angry and frustrated. Um, but I'm glad that something showed up because he has a, he has a real injury, a big one, a stress reaction in his humerus bone. That's here. Mm -hmm. It's just like, you know, uh, DeGrom has a stress reaction in your scapula. It is painful. Um, it's weird though, because you don't know what's going on. If you remember a few years ago, Zach Wheeler coming off of Tommy John was pitching great, got shut down at the end of the season because he was having the same thing go on. Mm. Your bone is lit, but because you've been on the borderline of that a thousand times out there and you're like, all right. And then you trick yourself or you use some mental cues and you push through and then you're fine. Well, he got to that point and then went down, he did it again. And then this time he was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss. I don't know what to do. Um, thank you, Trevor May for being truthful and honest and standing and doing your job and standing up there and talking. Uh, and I wish you health and I hope you return back uh, stronger than ever. It is one thing that I've always really appreciated about Trevor May. Cause I feel like a lot of athletes have trouble being candid and being vulnerable. Like you said, but Trevor May is a personality. He does rotation with us. He does his own YouTube thing. And I think that uh, it's important. Uh, his honesty is important here. Uh, he's been replying to a lot of people on Twitter as well. I thought he broke down like the mentality, which you were just describing pretty well. He said, basically relievers are sore at all times. It's just a spectrum. Sometimes you feel horrible warming up, but it's fine out there. And then other times you think it'll loosen up and it doesn't. So you grind it out and go for a zero best you can. And sometimes that line is crossed and you don't know it until you see the swings and I think what you mentioned about him finally finding something is important too, because that can mess with you. Uh, Trevor May mentioned a couple of times that his changeup was his only working pitch. That's his tertiary pitch, which was a red flag for me, obviously, because Trevor May is a fastball guy. Oh, great word, by the way, tertiary. You like that? That was pretty good. Props. I think he used conducive before. That was a good one too. I liked oh, it. Nice. Um, so grammar pod, grammar pod, obviously vocabulary pod. Uh, but I wish nothing but the best for Trevor May. I know a lot of fans, you know, New York fans can be mean, but, the true New York Mets fans love Trevor May. He had a great year here last year, and uh, we know what he's capable of when he yep. has his stuff back. So he'll be back. Yeah, man. It's He's right. He's right. You're out there, and you're like, all right, I can grind through this. And you think about, like, I don't want to – every if you if you left every time you were on that borderline, you would leave all the time. And you'd, yes. you'd just be like, I don't know. I think I'm hurt. And then your bullpen would have to pick you up. You know, there's a borderline. There's a fine line between being – careful and costing your team just countless headaches you know being reliable and available are part of being in the bullpen and you push through some of those things you swallow some advil go out there and suck it up and do your job you know you're you're punching the clock that's part of what we do we never feel great in the bullpen um and you just get it done man and so he got to that point and he was just lost so i'm, I'm glad that they found a target to to aim for something to, to get him better. And for him to just be like, all right, there's something going on. You know, it would have been nice, even better if they would have completely found nothing. And he knows that he's not really hurting his body and he could push through that just mentally. It wasn't there. So, yeah. And I think that just being a reliever in general is just a thankless job. People only really care when you mess up. If you're doing your job correctly, it kind of gets lost in the wayside. And I do like that we always try to hype our, our bullpen guys on this pod because, you know, we got a reliever. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I think people just forget that, you know, besides one bad month last year, Trevor May was lights out for these Mets. I got a ton of strikeouts. His K per nine rates are always insane. So when Trevor May has his stuff, he is a huge piece of this puzzle. He'll be he'll be a big part of the bullpen when he comes back. It's going to be a long road um, and it'll be like we traded for him. So I'm excited for him to come back. There's. 
you know, hopefully the rest of the guys pick up the slack. It seems like we have the pieces capable because um, they're going to be needed. The, the starting rotation has been on an incredible start to the year. Um, you know, Greg Harvey uh, on Twitter, is it between the numbs? Mm. That, is that how you say it? I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. Uh, but, but he tweeted out through each of their first five starts, Tyler McGill, Max Scherzer, Chris Bassett, and Carlos Carrasco all have totaled 28 or more innings pitched, 27 or more strikeouts, nine or fewer walks, and a 3.3 ERA or less. This is the first time the Mets have ever had four pitchers do this in each of their first five starts in a season. And that which is name wasn't there? Jacob Wild. DeGrom. Not just that. Think about the, all the hype that went into the Zach Wheeler, Matt Harvey, Noah Syndergaard, and Jacob DeGrom foursome. Mm-hmm. Like it was all the hype. This one came in with zero hype, with missing the best pitcher on the planet, and they have done something that the, any foursome has never done. Not to mention Taiwan Walker has been excellent and David Peterson has been excellent. So it's wild. Yeah, it's absolutely wild. I mean, we talked. I don't think it's sustainable at this elite level. No, I don't think so. Um, But I think the bullpen can pick up the slack here and I'm hoping for the offense to, to show a little bit more power. You know, it's not there. They're not designed to just crush the ball. Like what the, what some of the other teams are designed to do. Um, They're putting it together in a more sustainable fashion, a repeatable you know, just get the job done kind of next man up approach, which I love. It's a, it's a way better product on the field to watch uh, regularly. Um, But I want to see, you know, Pete get hot. I want to see Escobar get a little bit hot. Um, I think it'll be fun. Yeah. I think a a big piece of that puzzle is Francisco Lindor who had that torrid start. He's really cooled down in his last 10 games, 128 batting average, 209 on base, 154 slugging. 10 strikeouts, two walks, and a double. I feel like what we were seeing a lot of from Lindor was a lot of great at-bats. He worked a ton of walks, him and Eddie, earlier in the season. And uh, I think pitchers are kind of figuring out that Francisco Lindor is really calibrated now. I feel it kind of seems like he has his best stroke back. So they're pitching him a little bit more selectively, a little bit more carefully. He'll come around, uh, but it's just kind of been a tough 10-game stretch for him, and I feel like that affects the whole lineup. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, He looks a little bit like he's got a little bit big and tried to launch a little bit. Again, I'm not a, I'm not a hitting uh, guru. I don't know exactly what I'm talking about, but there's observations that I made and it looks like he's, he's trying to lift again, trying to get. And so hopefully uh, Eric Chavez and, and Lindor reset what he's trying to do in his approach. And he gets back to just knocking them all around the park. Yeah, I mean, we saw Jeff McNeil hit balls perfectly through the shift throughout the series. He came close to a home run on a hanging curve. I thought it would have been a home run if it didn't get robbed. We can debate about it all we want. But uh, I think that Lindor is better served right now at the very least. Just, you know, playing the spots where he can get hits, not trying to pull everything. Yep. Uh, We did see our first, at least I think it's our first Jeff McNeil kind of explosion. A little bit. I, I, it's, I still pairs pales in comparison to the previous oh, ones. Still we've does, seen, but he's, but he, he let out there. some frustration and he, he's a lot of this. <laughs> how, how is this happening to me? What did I do? I don't know, uh, man. I, it's, it's pretty funny, but he, hopefully he's, he's still uh, headstrong and he's capable of, of smacking the ball around the park. Cause he's been incredible to watch. Yeah, I mean, uh, he played all four games this series. He he put up, let's see here, a three for 14. Uh, no extra base sets or anything. So kind of a down series for Jeff. Uh, but I guess we'll get to our apple of our eye now because we got to yeah. talk about And the again, they're, they're all, the, the Braves rotation and bullpen is incredible. So it's very good. Uh, the apple of our eye. <sighs> you want to go first? I will go first. Um, we've talked about it. There's a lot of good candidates. We had uh, our boy, Drew Smith. We have Cookie Carrasco's eight innings. Mark Canna looked really good, three for 10 with that one big home run. Mm. Um, but I'm going with our boy, the polar bear, Pete Alonso. His he first apple. Been, this is his first time. Yes. Yeah. First of many. First of many. Shout out to Pete Alonso. Uh, he went five for 16 on the series with a home run the other way. Four RBI had a run scored. He is doing kind of everything to knock the runners in, going the other way, spreading the ball around. Um, 
just a, a like he's carried this offense from an RBI from a run production standpoint. Uh, he's going to continue to do so. We are going to rely on him to carry this Mets offense because he, we didn't get the Kyle Schwarber style guy. He's going to have to be this run producer and he's done a great job. He's not allowed um, the pressure to get to him and try to do too much. Uh, he's just been steady Eddie Pete going the other way, a more complete hitter. Um, when you shift him and he, all you need is a single, he'll hit that ball through the four hole. Mm-hmm. Super impressive. Teams are hitting, pitching him away because they want him to try to try to hit home runs on the pull side and, and we contact. So he's going the other way and uh, teams are going to adjust to that and try to jam him in. And he's going to start to drive the ball. So he's doing the right things, making adjustments and adjusting to the pitching. Uh, so Pete Alonso is the apple of my eye. I am. Uh, I'm really glad we name dropped Eric Chavez before, because I feel like we we're seeing his philosophy so much and how much these Mets are beating the shift and just going the opposite way and taking the hits where they can get them. Alonso has been doing a great job. You know, we, we think of him as the slugger that's going to give you 40 home runs and that's his output. But a lot of his RBIs have just come from like two out, two run little bloops in the holes where they give it to him. So shout out Pete. He's been a really impressive at the plate so far this year. Um, even if the home runs aren't there, he's doing it on a lot of the other sides of the ball. Uh, for me, I picked a reliever last time with Edwin Diaz. So I, I had some inklings to go with Drew Smith because that's my guy. That's my buddy. First friend of the pod ever. He went too shutty with two Ks and just a walk. No hits this series. But I'm going to give it to Cookie because I think Cookie's got to get an apple for his great performance. Uh, it really speaks uh, to the veteran mentality to bounce back after a blow-up start against a good team in the Cardinals, come back and face, in my opinion, a better team, a better lineup in the Atlanta Braves, and deal with pesky runners on base all night. Uh, seven men left on base, 0 for 11 with runners in scoring position. There was never really a clean inning for Cookie in his start. And yet he still gave us eight strong, really preserved the bullpen in a four game set where we needed the arms uh, struck out five, just the two walks and six hits uh, a great bounce back for cookie. It's been an absolute joy watching him pitch healthy this year. I feel like we're seeing a whole different version of cookie compared to last year. And we're going to need him. Uh, I, I think that in our PPPs where we were talking about him, we were kind of just hoped for a nice bounce back where you could give us like a four ERA and just go out there every fifth day and stay healthy. But this is the cookie of years past. This is the cookie of 2018, of 2020. And I really feel like it's on full display. And I really feel like, you know, I've, I've mentioned this a couple of times, but you can see how hard this guy worked to get healthy again in the offseason. It's really inspiring. Yeah, man. Inspiring is the right word because you you see it. You see how much everybody around him is cheering for him and love seeing him succeed. Um, he's kind of known around the league uh, uh, being a genuinely wonderful great human being like people cheer for him he said the thing he said the thing (laughs) he's a great human being i actually have my shirt so i just got back from new york uh there's a box that i have to open up i ordered uh so that's exciting maybe next episode um but it's it is inspiring to see him kind of reemerge. um this is like a down ballot mvp cy young you know down ballot cy young votes version of Cookie Carrasco, you know, just a guy like a Wainwright last year, you know, and he's not, he's much younger, just a guy that just knows how to pitch, dials it up when he needs to, when he doesn't, he just gets the job done. Uh, super impressive. Absolutely. And, you know, that Pete Alonso home run in the, in Cookie's game mm-hmm. allowed Cookie to finish that eighth inning. Yeah. It was two to nothing. Um, and then Pete Alonso makes it three to nothing and Buck Walter. Freaking brilliant, man. Let Cookie, one out, double. If that's only two runs, you have a tying run at the plate, you have to bring in yep. Edwin Diaz or, you know, Seth Lugo or Drew Smith there. But knowing Pete hit that home run, he let Cookie go one more hitter, and he do- he dominated the next two guys and, and completed that inning. Gives him the proper leash, reels it back in when he doesn't. I've just been so impressed with Buck Walter. I've learned more, again, this is this might be just me uh, uh, post playing career where I'm observing the game on a different level again. But I've learned so much more about the game by just watching. Yeah, he's he's valuable, but the two and two oh and two when he's not there is is just fluky. 
because his presence is still being felt. Yeah, I don't even want to talk about that suspension because it's kind of just a little silly. Why, dude? I'll, I'll mention it from here. Um, it sucks for for Yoan. Yeah, I feel like because he he's gets basically going, but... relegated to AAA forever because yeah. he can't get called up. Um, if you call him up, he's he's suspended, so he doesn't he can't serve his suspension until he gets called back up to the big leagues. And how are you going to call a guy up to be? suspended because you can't call up another guy so his year is done in the big leagues basically unless the Mets somehow find a way charitably to let this guy pitch um wild yeah yeah all right guys before we go any further I gotta tell you about our second sponsor for today because we're kind of Hollywood now and that's DraftKings. Same guys that sponsor the lounge, obviously. Uh, guys, slide into stacks of cash this baseball season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball and Jumboy Media. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. You don't even have to get it right, guys. Looking to turn a small bet into a big pay during the MLB season? Well, with DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many bases will be stolen, total runs, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout, and DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code JOMBOY as always, bet just $5, and get $150 in free bets no matter what happens on the field. That's promo code JOMBOY at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Let's get into the series preview with the Philadelphia Phillies. In game one, we have Taiwan Walker with his stellar zero ERA against these Phillies. He'll be battling Aaron Nola, who is going up against the the New York Mets for the third time this season. Uh, Enjoy that one, buddy. Uh, I will be looking for Mr. Pete Alonso to continue his stellarness. The apple of my eye in the previous series. Could be a good one in game one because he has four home runs against Mr. Nola in 34 career ABs. Yeah. Taiwan Walker just won't face any other teams, I guess, this year. He's just he just knows his guy. domination. Yeah. Stick him in one place. Uh, game two, we got Max Scherzer on the bump and his 2.61 ERA against Kyle Gibson. Uh, last time out, Scherzer gave up a few home runs, but was ultimately solid against the Phillies in six innings, struck out nine guys and got the win. Gibby was pretty good as well. Walks were the issue for him. He walked five of us in four and a third, didn't allow an earned run, got a no decision. Reese Hoskins is now just one for 26 against Max Scherzer in his career, which is a crazy line. And now look out for Francisco Lindor in this game. He's 15 for 45 against Gibby. Hopefully the Mets can stay patient, draw more walks and uh, put themselves in good situations. That's a 333 betting average against Mr. Gibson. Yo, big math guy. Look at Math you. pod. Game three, Mr. Chris Bassett facing these Philadelphia Phillies for the first time this season. He's facing off against Zach Eflin, who is not facing them for the first time. In fact, he got beat up pretty good by these New York Mets uh, in New York. Went four and a third, eight hits, five runs, uh, six runs, five earned, I believe. Mm. Uh, he will be pitching at home this time. His home ERA in two starts is less than one. His road ERA is over seven. Uh, should be interesting. There are a few guys that I will be looking forward in our lineup. We have Mr. Dom Smith in 18 plate appearances. He's betting a nice 412. Mm. Uh, we have Mr. Jeff McNeil, who in 25 plate appearances is hitting 320. And we have the starling man himself, Mr. Marte, in 13 at-bats is hitting a cool 539 with a homer off of Zach Eflin. Nice. And then uh, we got the unfamiliarity on the other side because no Phillies besides Castellanos have faced Bassett more than three times. So they're kind of getting like a whole new experience. Should be an advantage for us. That. You don't know your game four. I did game three. I'm not even allowed. That's crazy. I'm <laughs> infringing on his territory. I, uh, yes. Good, good point. And also, well, a good addition to the preview. Game four, four games set again for these Mets. They got Cookie Carrasco, who just dazzled with eight shutout innings. He takes on Ranger Suarez. Ranger actually kind of got messed up by us in his first game started of the year. Just went under three innings, three earned runs, five hits, one walk, only one strikeout. Ranger's been traditionally good against us, so hopefully he'll, uh, he won't be too sharp. But uh, we should expect a better version of him this time around. He's yet to go more than six innings in any start this year. So I feel like because of the visa issues, uh, there's probably still stretching out Ranger probably will be able to go more uh, deep into games later in the season. 
Cookie, like I said before, bounced back in his last start. He's yet to face Philly this season, so it's going to be a new matchup for him as well. And a big four-game set in Philly. Like uh, like we mentioned in prior episodes, these Mets play the Phillies a ton before Memorial Day. They have another series with them after this. Uh, but we've handled them so far, four and two on the year. I think these Mets, uh, they're fully capable of winning another series in Philadelphia and uh, steadying that momentum forward. I couldn't find anything on Ranger Suarez fast enough. I got I you beat, trying. man. Uh, got you beat. Yeah. The stat, uh, the baseball reference uh, didn't work for me quick enough. Blame them. You got Sorry. me. Uh, yeah, this is a big series, especially after not winning the last series against the Braves. We're still in division, going to Philly for the first time. Uh, it'll be nice to make a statement here and, and really, you know, punch them in the mouth, show them who's boss for a long season of battling each other. Um, I'm looking for their matchups against Harper and Schwarber. Yeah. Uh, Schwarber was over in his first um, first series. Not over in his second series because he dominated. And Bryce Harper is a perennial MVP candidate who's destroyed the Mets in his career as well. Uh, those would be my matchups that I'm keying on uh, from a pitching standpoint. Uh, but it should be good, man. From a hitter standpoint, I'm really looking for uh, Dom and JD to kind of come out of their shells a little bit and fully embrace the, uh, the new playing time they're likely to get uh, with Robinson Cano out of the pitcher. And I just think that uh, if the Mets continue doing what they do and getting guys on base and putting the Phillies defense in tough uh, situations, I think they'll be huge beneficiary of that. Uh, like we said before, this is not a home run team, but I kind of think that works to the advantage of them right now. Especially uh, against the defensive shortcomings of the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah, there's a huge advantage there for the Mets. And, uh, you know, if they've beaten them in Philly already once this year, honestly, that series probably should have been a swept if not for that blown eighth inning. And uh, these are all starters that, this lineup is fully capable of beating and perhaps best of all, the Mets will duck Zach Wheeler in this series, which is huge. Yeah, that's nice. That, yeah. That's a nice little added bonus when you don't see his name on there. You're like, Ooh, nice. <laughs> Ooh, that's sweet. Hey man, you got anything else? I don't. Uh, thanks for tuning in. This has been exciting. It's I love the, 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 interactions we've had on social media with this group. Um, our fan base is really cool. Uh, we have a bunch of gear. Uh, if you're if you're looking to support, I rocked my Shea Station T-shirt through the airport yesterday. Hell yeah! Um, oh, got my mug. I don't know where I put my mug. It's here. Uh, it's over there. Um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, thank you guys for for being fo- or for following us, for listening to us to make nonsense about the Mets. Uh, we appreciate it. Yeah, guys. We will see you again on Monday. I'll be back in the stew. Things will be uh, Monday clear. is an off day. It is an off day. Rare one you for our Mets. on Tuesday. We'll talk about it after. This will be a private conversation. Yeah, they don't you get to hear this. Enjoy they don't day. get to hear this. All right, guys. <laughs> uh, let's go Mets. We'll see you guys next time. Let's go Mets.